lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin and all of you at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. You can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Email the show. That's steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for clips of this show that you can then sample yourself and share with others, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, he is kind of... Uh, I, is, is muckraker a good word for what Phil Kirpin does? Um, he was with us. He was with us at the beginning of our COVID-19 skepticism. And now that um, more and more of the data is in, it's time to close the loop on this. And we will do that with him coming up at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, fake news or not. Am I fake news or not? Because I think last night. Now, I, let me say this as a disclaimer. It's a sliding scale because much of what airs on cable news is anywhere from poorly warmed over pro wrestling to trash. All right. But that notwithstanding, I happen to think it was the finest monologue that's ever aired in the history of cable news. We are going to sample some of those clips and Todd and Aaron are going to decide if I'm fake news or not for claiming that to be the case. And then Pop Culture Tuesday, we'll look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism with movie theaters uh, beginning to reopen. And Aaron and I have both gone to the movies recently. We'll talk about that experience and what it means uh, for normalization of the culture going forward. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by more unrest. President Trump gave a speech to the nation from the Rose Garden yesterday. The following measures are going into effect immediately. First, we are ending the riots and lawlessness that has spread throughout our country. We will end it now. Today, I have strongly recommended to every governor to deploy the National Guard in sufficient numbers that we dominate the streets. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. I am also taking swift and decisive action to protect our great capital, Washington, D.C. What happened in this city last night was a total disgrace. After that address, President Trump had D.C. police and the National Guard clear Lafayette Park and the adjacent streets by the White House so Trump could visit St. John's Church, which was set on fire by rioters the previous evening. Is that your Bible? CNN, your thoughts? What, what, what do you make of that very bizarre moment? Open your eyes, America. Open your eyes. We are teetering on a dictatorship. We are te- This is chaos. Has the president, I, I'm listening, is the president declaring war on Americans? Meanwhile, in St. Louis, Missouri, four police officers were shot in riots overnight. 
one police officer in Las Vegas, Nevada, was shot as well. In Providence, Rhode Island, rioters burned a police car. In New York City, looters had their way once again, and an officer was intentionally plowed over by a car. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio says he's proud of his daughter for getting arrested in the midst of the riots over the weekend. In Polk County, Florida, Sheriff Grady Judd had strong warnings for any would-be rioters. We have received information in social media that some of the criminals were going to take their criminal conduct into the neighborhoods. I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't do that in Polk County. Because the people of Polk County like guns, they have guns, I encourage them to own guns, and they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. So leave the community In completely unrelated news, the FBI tweets, At the FBI, we know that diversity makes us stronger. During Pride Month, the FBI celebrates the contribution that our LGBT colleagues have made to our country and our mission. In other riot news, the Antifa kid who police say incited the weekend riot in Pittsburgh turned himself in yesterday with the help of his mommy and daddy. Mr. Bartles, do you have anything to say about what happened on Saturday? Anything anything you want to say? Fox 11 in California interviewed one of the looters causing chaos in Santa Monica yesterday. All right, man, we saw you at the New Balance store. Why are you out here? Uh, man, period, point blank. Just like all my real ones trying to do, trying to get some money. Explanation, that's it. I'm trying to get some dough, that's it. Just out here for the money? Yeah, pretty much. Anything to do with the protests or what happened in Minnesota? I mean, a little bit to do with that, too, you feel me? But not really. I'm out here for the dub. Was it worth it? Obviously not. I'm out here hemmed up. Yeah, y'all see it? Man, if y'all gonna get some money, do it right. Don't do it the dumb way. Do it the smart way. And finally, the brother of the murdered George Floyd spoke up yesterday. The family has called for peace. The family has called for peace. We're sending a message to people all over this country to stop looting and throw up the peace sign. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Freedom Project Academy. Did you know that over 40% of American families are considering homeschooling this fall during the COVID-19 lockdown? Many parents re-engaged with their children's education only to discover how far behind they were in reading, math, and science. According to the nation's report card, reading and math proficiency has declined steadily over the last 10 years. And Freedom Project Academy is here to help your children get back on track with a live, interactive, online, educational experience with students from across the country from the comfort convenience and safety of home children can receive an accredited classical online education built on judeo-christian values for students k through 12 here they teach students how to think not what to think if you want more information or to request a free information packet go to freedomforschool.com right now that's freedomforschool.com open enrollment ends soon Uh, Please reserve your place today. They are seeing unprecedented levels of requests from families looking at this as an option for the first time. Freedomforschool.com. Again, that is freedomforschool.com. 
I don't even know where to begin with with what's in Aaron's montage. I I, I just I I shouldn't be. I know that I shouldn't be. Okay, but I, I am. And maybe I need to stop doing this when the time comes that I I can't have this done to me anymore. Maybe when that happens, it's time for me to walk away. But I am just utterly gobsmacked at the at the tone deaf lack of self awareness from the FBI. And maybe I, and and I know that I I know that I shouldn't be. I know that. Okay, I know that, but I'm still, uh, and maybe it's the way I'm wired. I got to know things. I need to know. I, I just, I need to know your, your institution either attempted to railroad and entrap what a two or a three star general into a, a felony plea bargain or at the very least it didn't do anything while rogue agents within your institution were attempting to do so over the last few years you ignored warnings about the florida school shooter you ignored warnings about the worst sex offender in American history, Larry Nasser. You ignored warnings about the nightclub shooting in Orlando. Should I continue on the FBI's recent track record of success or lack thereof? You have still to tell us what possessed a straight white male with a battalion of weaponry who should be right out of central casting for every gun control advocate, activist in America. He is, he's what they fear. Crazed white male with a lot of weapons. And yet, he somehow smuggled them into a hotel on the Vegas Strip, the most surveilled city and street in America, other than Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C., Opened fire, and we don't have a motive for the worst mass murder in all of American history. Well, until six governors decided uh, to reinfect America's nursing homes. Until then, at least. No motive for that. Your, your, your institution may have been the fulcrum of a coup attempt, looking at you, Andrew McCabe and James Comey. And yet, we're here with a glossy embed image for Pride Month. I, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. Failed state. Is that just our new default now on all of this? I have many defaults. <laughs> default seems to be the name of the game around yes. these parts these days, does it not? Um, I, and, and, and maybe we just have to go to that. Maybe we just have to go to failed state. That's all we got. This thing is pretty much heading around third, heading for home. 
And home plate's called the ash heap to history, and we're just, you know, we're trying to get there before the throw arrives and get under the tag, right? You know what I'm saying? And it's just, at that point, gravity, inertia, momentum will not be satiated, will not be stopped. And we're just there to be declared safe when we get home, slide in for, for, for fail state, for, for the failed state. That, that, I, I just, I don't even know what to say to something like that. That this is your priority? This is where we are. Hey, let's take a time out from trying to entrap generals um, being used as the platform for a coup against a duly elected president and ignoring several of the worst criminals and knuckle draggers in recent American history. But we're going to take a time out from all of that, folks. Like 3% of our soldiers and, and workforce ever has enjoyed one particular sexual activity, and we just need to acknowledge that right now. Thank you. What, what, doesn't that just sound stupid coming out of your mouth? <laughs> doesn't it? That's, <laughs> speaking of defaults, that's yeah. like my commentary for everything. Yep. All right. You so dumb. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yes. That's I went off. This is, I don't know if you see, you know, local Catholic college here. I've just spent last night and this morning going, you so dumb uh, you know, on the virtue signaling. It's it's everywhere. Um, did you see the Antifa punk? Did you get a good look at him? That, that's who most of them are, by the way. Now, I told you yesterday, that's separate from the racial violence that we are seeing, okay? But you have to deal with them separately because Antifa is a, is a different animal. The racial violence you're seeing, most of it has no core caught. It, 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 this isn't... These aren't the Black Panthers. This isn't the 60s. Most of the racial violence you're seeing is just thuggery, like the gentleman that was in that video. I, well, I'm, I'm just here for the dough, man. I'm just, you know. Somehow, George Floyd was unjustly killed, and I'm like, dude, I, I, I can't afford that $500 flat screen at Target, so I'm just going to go loot it. That That's not normal behavior. I am deeply offended and outraged at the 60 million American children we have slaughtered before they even had a chance to reach their potential. Millions of them black. But I never ever thought burning down an auto zone would satisfy that indignity. Because this isn't about any kind of cause. This is just about sin that's what it's about and credit for being honest that gentleman in that video reminds me of that for the first time i went to new york city i told you the story before and the homeless guy is standing out there in front of penn station right next to madison square garden holding the sign saying hey man I'm, I, I'm i'm hungry i need money and i'm watching the the rush hour throng walk right by him and give him nothing. And I'm, you know, I'm the bright-eyed kid from, you know, Iowa nice. I'm like, man, come on. I got to help a guy like that. So I walk over. I go into my wallet. I'm going to hand him like a, a $5 bill. 
and he stops me, you know, because it's like a McDonald's or something over there. Go get himself a happy meal or a, a combo, you know, get, you know, and he's put, he stops me, puts his hand on my wrist and says, Hey man, don't, I, I need you to know you look like an honest guy. I just need you to know that if you give me that money, you see a liquor store over there. I'm just going to go over there and I'm just going to buy some booze with it. I mean, I was flabbergasted at his honesty. I, I didn't know what to do. So I'm, of course, I put the $5 bill back in my wallet. And then I pulled out a $10 bill and I gave that to him instead because I just really respected the level of honesty that he was willing to provide in that situation. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lied to so often. I just points for honesty. So I gave him $10. I gave him, I gave him hundred percent more. I doubled it. And then he was on his merry way. True story. I kind of feel like I want to give that gentleman one of my white privilege television sets in my house that I paid cash out of my own pocket for everyone with my own hard earned money. But I kind of feel like just giving him one just out of, I, I was, that level of self-awareness is so lacking. Yeah. Maybe I was a little mad for a minute, but I'm just out here for the money. Well, do you regret it now? Well, I mean, I'm in handcuffs. So the answer is obviously, yeah. I hope the next batch of people that do this are better and smarter than I am at, at it. I love, you're getting, we're getting all the time. You don't know how a black man feels. Yeah, I do. He just told me. Like, which black man? Right. Which one? Right. Which See, experts? Which black men? Yes. That, w- yes. W- 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 yes. W- what Aaron said. That's w- whichever the point. Ones, uh, whichever ones permit us to have power exactly. over you is the answer. That's yeah. the point. Which is why I refuse to play any label games. Like I told you yesterday, I'm a kid born to a 15-year-old mom. We ate government cheese. I ate, I had reduced lunches in school. We did ADC. I remember shopping for groceries with food stamps. The only favor I have received in my life is the favor of the gospel. I wore, I started it in a mail room. My wife married a 400 pound mail room clerk. That's what I was doing. Until I got done with that job full time. And then I went across the street to the Des Moines register where I was a part-time news assistant working until 1 a.m. for minimum wage. Long before it was 725 an hour, by the way, filing photos, getting coffee, doing grunt work. I didn't have a car. So I had to take the bus back and forth and then the buses don't run that late. So I had to take a cab. The cab ride was actually as much as what I got paid for these four-hour shifts. So I wasn't making any money. I just wanted an opportunity one day to break into working in the media. So I did it. In between, I've worked at Manpower Temp Agency. I cleaned tampon bins at Wendy's. I cleaned the offices at the Pyramid for Steelcase in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I did bottle returns for Eberhard's Grocery Store in Wyoming, Michigan. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of jobs working my way up. My first car was a 76 Ford Granada with a vinyl top that was ripped to shreds. My next card was a 78 Datsun whose starter was broken and had to be electrically rigged. Yes, my my old man had to hotwire the car, like we stole it, but no one would steal this car, in order to get it to run. 
Our first family car was a Geo Metro. And we rejoiced when out in our apartment complex parking lot, there was a hailstorm that forced our insurance company to total it so we wouldn't have to pay it off now. And we just drove it around dented for the next few years. There's your white privilege. My ancestors were wops, dagos, and garlic eaters. They lived in the ghettos first. Well, after the Jews left the ghettos, they were forced into the ghettos first, as the Jewish immigrants were. And then the Italian and Irish immigrants were, after they left. If you know your American history. I don't owe anybody anything for anything I haven't done. I have done enough bad. I've made enough questionable decisions in my life. Jesus spilled enough blood for me up on that tree. I'm not owning anybody else's junk and neither should you. And presuming poor motivations or guilt on somebody based on their skin color or race is the very definition of racism. It's the very definition of it. I will not bow the knee meaning to your political correctness. I'm, I'm broken up like most every, every other American is for what happened to this man. And I understand now they've, they've found fentanyl and meth in his system. May have been a comorbidity there. Still a police officer, particularly one with the record that Officer Chauvin, is that his name, I believe? Didn't he have, I think he had several yes. citations for yes. uh, unruly behavior yes. or going overboard in this past. Correct. You have to have some self-awareness there. And especially given some of the issues we have recently in this country, we're still going with the hands up, don't shoot narrative that Eric Holder and the Obama Justice Department said never happened with Michael Brown. They said it never happened. I don't know if it happened or not, but Eric Holder said it didn't. So, I mean, I got to presume he was the attorney general. He investigated it. He's got no more about it than me. So, no. No, I'd, I'd happily bow the knee for an unjust death in mourning, but I will not bow the knee to your virtue signal and your political correctness. I will not. And if you try to get me to, I'll cap you in the knee is what I will do. No is the answer. And if you ask and demand again, no is my next answer. And don't ask me again to see what my next answer is after that. No, no is the answer. I won't. I won't accept responsibility except for anything that I am due to take responsibility for. And it would seem to me that if we really want to see some real healing in this country, treating people like individuals again is a good place to start. Not just assuming, hey, you're not really black unless you vote for me. Well, you're white, so you must have this resi these residual thoughts. Hell no. Nope. I'm not doing that. You know, in, in a, each of us individually will be naked and alone one day, one-on-one -on -one with our creator, giving an account for our lives. And you won't be lined up by the color of your skin. You won't be lined up by your ethnicity or your local customs or the language you spoke. It's just going to be you and the God that made you in his image, eyeball to eyeball. 
And there will be no virtue signaling, get out of jail free cards. And all of us will give an account. Warren Buffett, rich, white, straight male with all of his wealth. He'll be naked one day giving that account every bit as much as that black looter in the video will be. For God is not a respecter of persons, meaning that there's no such thing as either guilt by association or salvation by association. It's you and him. That's it. And if that's how God operates, I think we should probably emulate that. That's why we don't have civil rights. We have, we have individual rights. You know, there's no such thing as group rights in America. Now, we created him in the last generation, and look what it got us. More of this is what it got us. Just pitted more groups of people against each other. That's all that it did. That doesn't mean I suggest being ignorant of this country's past. Quite the contrary. I think we ought to be pretty sober-minded and lion-hearted about it. Pretty honest about it. I've made, you said here with me for years, Todd, I've argued against romanticizing our past. How many times have you heard me do this? Oh, all the time. The truth, though, is its own reward. You know, one of the primary ways we've overcome all the red in our ledger is by treating people as individuals. Individual rights made as an individual in the image of God. People that hate this country don't believe in any of that. And now, just as we saw with coronavirus, this might have been about a vicious virus. That is still a vicious virus, by the way. Now, collectively, it's numbers, as we'll get to these with Phil Kirpin here in a few minutes. Collectively, it's numbers never called for the public policy lockdowns we saw. But just because collectively the data is similar to a bad flu season does not mean coronavirus infects people the same way the flu does. If you are obese, if you have a comorbidity like diabetes or autoimmune disease, you're typically not social distancing from church or work during a flu season. But you may need to do so with coronavirus. It's, it's, it's holistically no worse than a bad flu, but individually it attacks worse than a flu does. But this ceased being about a virus about five seconds after the country locked down. And it became a scamdemic instead. It became a panic scam instead. And now you can tell because we're getting all the data now that shows we actually knew what this was and what to do about it three months ago. And it's created 40% unemployment in right. black America. Right. So now we're in the middle of a riot and there's no normal to right. return to. What, what jobs and community are they going home to now? That, that's exactly right. And the same thing here is true as well with George Floyd. Props to Tiger Woods and Tony Dungy. My basketball coach, Juwan Howard, pointed this out. The violence and looting, is, and his brother pointed that out in the video that Aaron had, you're not helping his cause at all. You're not doing anything for, what, what, for, for any form of justice for what happened there at all. Instead, you're driving the wedge deeper. But many of the same forces in the media that demanded we submit to the panic scam are demanding that we submit to this as well for the same exact motivations because for every one person that this is about racial injustice for for a hundred other people it's about something else power power that's what it's about 
Gentlemen, you have any thoughts? You just heard mine, Aaron. What you got? We're seeing the same movie, just a just a different way, over and over again. Think of any any remake of a movie. I'm trying to think of a good example of of a remake of a movie that was made in maybe the 50s or 60s that that was remade decades later. It's it's the same thing. Coronavirus and what we're what we're witnessing right now in some respects are just the same thing as you just pointed out. Just a, a remake got a little bit different uh, a little bit different paint job on it, uh, a little bit uh, different casting, uh, but it's the same thing. It's all an effort by opportunistic progressivism. I didn't say progressives. Progressivism is doing this. It's carried out, of course, by progressives, but opportunistic progressivism every single step of the way does whatever it can to grab power. You cannot, cannot give it to them. You cannot give an inch because they'll take everything. We'll come back and let's close the loop on coronavirus and the lockdowns next. So now that we are finally beginning to reopen, that doesn't mean everything is okay. You still probably need uh, to, to take care of your health and put more of it in your hands preventatively than ever before. And, and that's where Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition comes into play. One Scoop has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables, which boosts energy and supports a healthy immune system. Plus, it's been known for many, many years now that a diet rich in fruits and vegetables can reduce your risk for a lot of maladies, including heart disease, hypertension, and a whole host of other issues. Field of Greens is also prebiotic and probiotic with a great source of vitamins, fiber, and other nutrients. What's prebiotic and probiotic means? It means it helps your digestive system, which is the largest immunity system in your uh, in your body, is in your gut. All right, so if just one scoop with any water-based drink and you're done. And right now you can save 15% off your first order with the offer code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. Again, that's offer code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com to save 15% off your first order. And if you end up subscribing to have it delivered to your home every month, you'll get 10% off every month for doing that as well. All right, 10% every 10% off every month if you subscribe. 15% off your first order if you use the promo code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. Phil Kirpin is with. Well, he's a syndicated columnist. He's also with the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. He's done some of the best research I've seen out there uh, on what's been happening with coronavirus, particularly as it pertains to the one-sector pandemic. It's been here for the last couple of months, which is America's nursing homes. And good to have you back on the show, Phil. How are you? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you? Could be a little better, brother, but I could be a lot worse. I, I want to. I, what I want to do with our conversation here, Phil, is kind of bring it full circle to when we had you on a couple of months ago. We were just beginning to answer or to ask questions that it was clear the system demanding these lockdowns didn't have answers to. And now, now we're getting data. 
albeit largely from other countries better than our own, frankly, that, that shows that, the, that these lockdowns were a disastrous policy and didn't really do anything to, to flatten a curve or slow a spread or anything else. It flattened our healthcare system, but that's about all that it flattened while it, the virus continued to flatten our nursing homes. And I want to take you to something I wrote today for The Blaze, if I could. And uh, my concern when this is over, cause, and, and I think it's kind of over now, but my concern is the next virus. How do we know what is a threat and another scandemic panic scam? How do we know, right? And, and, and I think there's a couple of questions that need to be answered so that we have some kind of vetting tool when this is over. And one of them I want to get your take on. I want to read something to you, Phil. Anthony Fauci wrote this. Dr. Fauci wrote this, these words, February 28th. In the New England Journal of Medicine, quote, if one assumes that the number of asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic cases of coronavirus is several times as high as the number of reported cases, which is what we have seen from all the serology studies, the biggest in the country just published out of Colorado the last the other day, uh, the case fatality rate may be considerably less than 1%. This suggests that the overall clinical consequences for COVID-19 may ultimately be more akin to those of a severe seasonal influenza, which has a case fatality rate of approximately 0.1%, or a pandemic influenza similar to those in 1957 and 1968, rather than a disease similar to SARS, which had case fatality rates of 9 to 10%, or even in the case of MERS, 36% respectively, unquote. He wrote these words in the New England Journal of Medicine on February 28th. You know, did it, did it come from a, a MAGA Reddit forum, Phil? Did it come from a QAnon account? Where did the talking point, it's just a bad flu season, come from? It came from Anthony Fauci, our, our leading infectious disease expert, writing in arguably our most prestigious medical journal in this country, February 28th. But then 11 days later, Phil, he goes to Congress and says, this is going to kill 10 times more people than the flu. I think we need to bring him up under oath like Nuremberg tribunal style. And we've got to find out what in the hell happened in those 11 days. What, what data did you get or not get? What, what model did you see or not see? Because that's Linda Blair exorcist-like 180 that you just did there from February 28th to March 11th because that March 11th testimony, Phil, is what launched this country into lockdown. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's I think that we kind of know that it was the Imperial <laughs> College London model that caused that reversal. A similar thing happened in the United Kingdom. And we had uh, we basically had these sort of dueling uh, visions, models, whatever you want to call it, uh, for what type of disease uh, risk, disease burden we were facing. You had on one hand. Uh, the Imperial College London and Harvard uh, were the main proponents of this idea that this was a relatively low incidence uh, disease with a very high mortality rate. And then you had Oxford and Stanford, on the other hand, saying, no, this is a very high incidence disease. It's already all over the place, but it has a very low mortality rate. And uh, for some reason, agreeing with Oxford and Stanford meant you were anti-science. <laughs> And the only scientists who counted as scientists were people who agreed with this Imperial College model. And the thing is, at that point in time with the data we had, 
either one of them could have been right. Because mm-hmm. uh, all we saw were we saw the hospitalizations, we saw the deaths. We didn't have any widespread testing or data yet to know whether this was a high incidence disease that had a you know a low percentage that required hospitalization and died, uh, like Oxford and Stanford thought, or whether this was a low incidence disease where almost everyone who got it was ending up in the hospitals. We didn't know at that point in time either one of those things could have fit the data. Uh, and the appropriate thing to do in that circumstance, as the Stanford guys were warning, as the Oxford people were warning, was you need to find out. You need to get the information. You need to get a sense of what you're dealing with before you implement uh, policies, including extremely costly policies like lockdown. And we did not do that. Instead, we essentially picked one of the two views, even though both fit the data at that time. And we set ourselves on a path uh, that imposed trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of costs. And uh, by the time we got the data, we saw that the other view was correct. And we had done all of that needlessly now, uh, to acknowledge that would require admitting that our public health authorities and our politicians were wrong, which is not something they're willing to do. And so that's why uh, we are where we are right now. What I've seen, Phil, is at this point, I, I'd almost trust China's data over what we get from our own CDC, because at least I know China's motivation. Okay. The thing about China's data is um, we, we all sort of discounted it. We said, we, you know, they're, they're probably lying and we're going to ignore it completely. But, you know, in truth, um, China's data is reasonably good in that uh, the, the course of the disease where it goes up very rapidly and then it sort of crashes and it's gone. It is sort of the same thing we've seen in every other country. And mm-hmm. so I don't think they've given us the real number exactly. It was probably higher than what they say. But the, the basic... The, the basic, basic pathology that they said, I, I agree true. they exaggerated their numbers, but their basic pathology has turned out to be accurate because we've seen it, whether it's Norway, Sweden, uh, Switzerland, Japan, the countries that have lifted their lockdowns or canceled their um, their emergency orders. Italy said the other day the virus is basically gone in their country when they're the country that scared the hell out of the whole West, that we're all going to be Lombardy, Italy, and now it's basically gone there. <clears throat> that that's that pathology, which was which, which is what China said, even if we all agree that they exaggerated whatever their actual infection numbers were as a result of these spikes. But the overall pathology that they, they, they laid out is what has taken part in pretty much every other country that it's infected. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, the um, you know, one of the reasons that, uh, that the Western governments panicked the way they did is they didn't believe any of the anything coming out of China. And they saw these numbers in Italy mount very, very quickly, apparently very, very quickly. And they thought this thing gets, you know, it spreads to these enormous levels of hospitalization and deaths so quickly. If we don't clamp down on it, it's going to kill all of us. And they, what they missed and we've subsequently learned is this had actually been in Europe since last year, mm-hmm. uh, since November and December. And so what we were seeing was a peak after many months of spread, not just after a couple of weeks. And uh, it actually was already well post-peak in Italy when they locked down there. And so we, we sort of had a very, we had a very bad impression, a misimpression, a misunderstanding of where we were in the disease cycle. We thought that if we didn't take these dramatic actions, it would go much, much higher uh, than what we had seen in Italy, when in fact, Italy had already peaked and was post-peak at that point. So even if you want to give everybody and all these governments the benefit of the doubt for the initial overreaction and erring on the side of caution, what I, what I can't give a benefit of the doubt to here at home is we seem bound and determined, and I think it's just all domestic political forces, Phil, we seem bound and determined to be the slowest industrialized nation to admit our mistake. I mean, Israel went from the most ridiculous lockdown in all of the civilized world, basically martial law, to Sweden in like a month Okay, because they started getting data. They started seeing what the actual data was. Their their kids have been back in school since early May. 
We've got governors claiming you'll never go to school again without a vaccine, which will likely never happen because they spent 10 years trying to come up with one to the first SARS coronavirus and they could not. I mean, this is, is, is this, is this really just all domestic politics now that that's why that's why our media is even even the BBC is attacking Boris Johnson from the right on lockdowns. And our you know, our media wants to know if, if the rioters are masked and social distancing. Is this just all domestic politics politics now, Phil? Well, nearly all. I think there are two factors. One is that our politicians and health authorities don't want to admit they were wrong, acknowledge they were wrong. Um, but, but sort of related to that, there's a broader sort of public psychology factor here, too, because regular people don't want to admit to themselves that they just went through two mm-hmm. or three months of lockdown for no benefit, for no reason that it accomplished. Now, they want to feel that they defeated this disease, that it was a hardship, but it was worth it, that they accomplished something. That psychological factor uh, probably means most people will never admit the truth to themselves. Uh, because they don't want to admit, they don't want to recognize that they did it for no reason. And uh, so sort of related to that, uh, we've got all of this fear because people did convince themselves or they were convinced by government that going outside is dangerous, that seeing other people is dangerous, that they should never shake a hand again. And so even when the facts come out and the information comes out, even if government were totally honest tomorrow, a lot of people just would say, hey, better, I'm going to stick with what, what I've been doing. I'm too scared and that kind of thing. And so this is a big problem they've got in the UK right now. Is they're trying to open schools this week, and a lot of people are too scared to send their kids because they were given all this hype. Similar to we've got marches all over the country still dropping the hands up, don't shoot line that Eric Holder and the Obama Justice Department said never happened. Michael Brown never said that. And yet, where are we here? Five years later, we're still repeating this line because it's just it's part of the zeitgeist now. Is that kind of what I hear you saying about the virus? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, at some point when you when you frighten uh, when you frighten the population with all of these over the top claims, um, even if you that you know, like NPR ran quietly ran a story yesterday saying you know actually it's much much less deadly. <laughs> yeah, than saw that. That and it's kind of like well, okay, but at this point, all the NPR listeners are going to wear masks for the next year, no matter what, anyway. Mm-hmm. They bought it and it's the whole thing. And so, I just think you know you can't you know once you've sufficiently indoctrinated the people and created fear and uh, and, and hysteria, you can't just turn it off like a light switch. And so you know even if we try to sort of rationalize things down from a policy standpoint going to be tough. I think the one thing that'll do it, though, uh, Steve, is I think that as more and more states get back to business as usual, uh, the rest of the country is going to kind of see it and say, hey, this disease is over. It's not coming back. And Many of them will always believe the lockdowns were important and worked and so forth, uh, all data to the contrary for that psychological satisfaction reason. But I think that, uh, unfortunately, even government telling the truth is not going to just turn things back to normal. Finally, in the couple minutes we have left here, you have done a phenomenal job quantifying what I have been explaining to this audience that essentially since about the second week of April, coronavirus, COVID-19 has largely been a single sector pandemic in America that unless you're governed by a New York state politician or in an American nursing home, you're not dying of this. You've done a great job quantifying this state by state. Can, Can you in a couple of minutes here just give our audience a summation of some of that data that you've accumulated here over the last few weeks? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, About two-thirds of all the coronavirus deaths nationally are in seven states. Uh, That's New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Michigan. And all seven of those states had some version of a policy 
in which infectious patients were returned, readmitted to nursing homes, uh, whether or not those nursing homes were properly equipped to care for them and to protect other residents and to isolate them. And uh, that's why they've had uh, deaths that are completely disproportionate to their population and are unlike anything we've seen in the, in the rest of the country. And so that's the real story of this. That's the main driver of the states that have had these outrageous death tolls is that they all had that in common. And uh, New York is not even giving us the real number. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York have 6,000 nursing home deaths, uh, which is only about a quarter of their total uh, coronavirus deaths. Uh, that is, uh, they sh- changed their method of counting at the end of April. They said we're I no bet longer. they did. <laughs> they yeah. said we're no longer going to count nursing home residents who die at the hospital as nursing home deaths. Those are going to be called hospital deaths instead. And so we're only going to count nursing home deaths that occur within the four walls of the facility. And no other state does that. So mm. New York has uh, been giving us a fake number. Uh, in, in most instances, when someone is near death or seriously ill in a nursing home, they call 911 and move them to a hospital. So I believe that the New York number they're reporting of 6,000 nursing home deaths is uh, off by, I think the real number is at least double, if not more than that. Uh, I think that New York will look more like New Jersey and Connecticut and Massachusetts, where more than half of all of the deaths are, are in the nursing homes. And even in these states, if you look at the non-nursing home deaths, they're very similar demographically to the nursing home deaths and it's uh, it's people in home care largely or it's people uh, who are sort of demographically similar have a lot of pre-existing conditions serious illnesses or are uh, in advanced age and the other place that this thing spreads other than nursing homes is in the hospitals it's largely been a hospital and nursing home infection um, and the rest of the country hasn't had the the volume that those seven states has but almost every state you look at are around 50 percent or more of the total fatalities are in the nursing homes and that uh, we've got this data uh, all in the spreadsheet if people want to look at it or want to look at specific states uh, interestingly your state iowa has been revising down their number of nursing home deaths in recent weeks i'm not totally sure what the story is on that or why that number has been going down but they're still around 50 percent there they had been up around 60 percent but that's been declining uh, with the revisions they've been doing but almost any state you look at you're going to see this pattern uh, some states handled this much better than others florida for instance, which is around 50% of their deaths now are in the nursing homes, although it's 50% of a very small number compared to those other high-volume states. They have a very, very large population of assisted living in nursing homes mm-hmm. there, and they were very early, very proactive, doing the opposite of what those states in the Northeast and, and Illinois and Michigan did. They actually prohibited uh, nursing homes from admitting or readmitting patients who were positive unless they could demonstrate that they had the capacity to isolate them and protect their other residents, and they uh, moved a lot of uh, people around between facilities to try to make sure that would happen and they use national guard for testing things like that so it's a very tough problem even a state like florida that's done everything very well has had you know over a thousand deaths in their nursing homes about half of their total deaths in the state as i said but uh, the state that really messed this up that drove the numbers nationally it was a policy error that drove these extraordinarily high numbers and uh, you know connecticut and pennsylvania both have more than two-thirds of their deaths in the nursing homes Phenomenal data, folks. You definitely want to follow Phil at Kerpen, K-E-R-P-E-N is how you can follow him on Twitter, by the way, where he, he puts a lot of this data out. Syndicated columnist. He's also with the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Good to see you again, brother. Thank you for joining us here today on The Blaze. All right. Have a good one. You bet. We'll come back. Fake news or not, this week's edition is next. Stay tuned.
And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can do that. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're a podcast listener, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, if you haven't done so already, heck, maybe you already have. Keep them coming. I don't know if they'll count if you do more, but... Can't hurt, right? So the more of those five-star reviews we get, the better it helps the show to grow. I'm not sure why. I'm just told that is the case. So please keep those coming. And thank you to all of you that have, uh, the thousands of you that have left us a five-star review already wherever you choose to podcast from. Coming up here at uh, the bottom of the hour, we're going to do our Pop Culture Tuesday. We look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. Aaron and I had our first chances to go back to the movies this past weekend, and we're going to Compare notes on that experience and what we saw from the theater, from the people that were inside the theater, etc. Um, but before we get to all of that, it is time for this week's edition of Fake News or Not, brought to you by Home Title Lock, which says, hey, there's advantages and some cool things about working from home, but it also is driving up the worst type of cybercrime, home title theft. We're doing it all from home now. Working, baking, video conferences, meal deliveries, shopping. And that means cyber criminals are targeting our homes. They want that money that they can get by taking out loans on our homes. And the crime is called home title theft. The FBI is warning homeowners, hey... You need to deal with this. Home Title Lock is how you can protect your home from cyber thieves. Your home's legal title is kept online where they find it and forge your signature, stating you sold your home to them, and then they'll take out loans in your home and leave you with the with all of that debt. Banks, insurance, and basic identity theft services don't protect you. But for pennies a day, Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. So protect your home now. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. And you can use the promo code Steve while you're there for 30 free days of protection to help get you through this crisis. Again, that's promo code Steve at HomeTitleLock.com. Promo code Steve at HomeTitleLock.com. Well, last night... Again, I don't watch cable news, and I don't frankly recommend that any of you do, for the most part. <laughs> All right, but I saw this trending last night, and I'm like, okay, I got to watch this. And what I watched over the next nine plus minutes, I thought, now granted, it's a place either that ranks somewhere between second-rate pro wrestling soap opera drama that Vince McMahon's just better at to flat-out trash. That's kind of the sliding scale that I view America's cable news. It's, it's where the truth in America goes to die. All right, cruel, cruel death is cable news. So admittedly, my standards are low. That notwithstanding, though, it's one of the rare times I've looked at somebody else's cable news show and thought, if I had that platform, if I had that show, this is the kind of thing I would be doing with it. And it's, it's the monologue that Tucker Carlson had on his program last night. I think it's the finest monologue that's ever aired in all of cable news. We have, it, it's, it's too long for this show, and, we, and because of fair use and, and copyright, we can't play it all. But we have, we have selected three clips, and we're going to play them for you. And then Todd and Aaron, you guys are going to decide, am I fake news or not? Is this really as good as I think that it is? 
You guys ready to go? Are you fake news? Am I fake news? But just yeah. about this. Just about this. Because I think we've all decided yeah, at some I, level. Yeah, yes, yeah. okay. I, I, we've all done fake news, sure. whether, whether intentionally or not, right? All right. Here's clip number one. When the violence began, what we needed more than anything was clarity in the middle of this. It's hard to see when the tear gas starts. Someone in America needed to tell the truth to the country. Instead, almost all of our so-called conservative leaders joined the left's chorus, as if on cue. On Friday, as American cities were being destroyed by mobs, the vice president of the United States refused to say anything specific about the riots we were watching on television. Instead, Mike Pence scolded America for its racism. Carly Fiorina, once a leading Republican presidential candidate, tweeted that, and we're quoting, it's white America that now must see the truth, speak the truth, and act on the truth. Meanwhile, Kay Cole James, who is the president of the Heritage Foundation, that's the largest conservative think tank in the country. You may have sent them money, hopefully for the last time. Kay Cole James wrote a long screen denouncing America as an irredeemably racist nation. Quote, how many times will protests have to occur? Got that? Have to occur. Like the rest of us caused this by our sinfulness. The message from our leaders on the right as on the left was unambiguous. Don't complain. You deserve what's happening to you. No one jumped in more forcefully or seemed angrier in America than former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Quote, tonight I turned on the news and I am heartbroken, Haley wrote. It's important to understand that the death of George Floyd was personal and painful for many. In order to heal, it needs to be personal and painful for everyone. But wait a second, you may be wondering, how am I, quote, personally responsible for the behavior of a Minneapolis police officer. I've never even been to Minneapolis, you may think to yourself. And why is some politician telling me I'm required to be upset about it? Those are all good questions. Nikki Haley did not answer those questions, explaining it's not her strong suit. That would require thinking. What Nikki Haley does best is moral blackmail. During the 2016 campaign, she compared Donald Trump to the racist mass murderer, Dylan Roof. How is Donald Trump similar to a serial killer? Nikki Haley never explained that. She wasn't trying to educate anyone. Her only goal was political advantage. Nikki Haley is exceptionally good at getting what she wants. She's happy to denounce you as a racist in order to get it. She just did. In this case, Nikki Haley's wish came true. The riots were indeed, quote, personal and painful for everyone. And then the pain kept increasing. Two days after she wrote that dozens of American cities had been thoroughly trashed, some destroyed. A country already on the brink of recession suddenly faced economic collapse. An already fearful population, locked down for months, had been thoroughly and completely terrorized. Mission accomplished. Let's hope Nikki Haley is pleased. We've now atoned. How did the Trump administration respond to the horrors going on around us? Well, yesterday morning, the country's national security advisor, Robert O'Brien, did a live interview from the White House lawn. Here's how it began. First thing I want to say on behalf of the president, he said this to the family, uh, but our, our hearts and, uh, and prayers are going out to the Floyd family. Uh, we mourn with them and we grieve with them. And, and what happened there was horrific. And I can't even imagine what that poor family is going through as this video is played over and over again. That should have never happened in America. And it's a, it's a tragic thing. The president said that from the start. And, uh, and, and we're with the family. And, and, and as the president said, we're with the, the peaceful protesters. We're with the peaceful protesters, O'Brien announced. Really, can you be more specific about that? Who are you talking about exactly? Is it the people spitting foam as they scream, F the police? Is it the ones standing next to the arsonist doing nothing as they set fire to buildings? 
Is it the kids laughing as they film the looting and the beatings on their iPhones? Maybe it's the famous, famous people in L.A. who are raising money online to support the rioters. They're all just peaceful protesters. Yeah, we support that. Thoughts on part one, Todd? Well, not only are you not fake news, uh, if I didn't know better, I would have thought that that was just a flat-out rip-and-read from, like, how many shows that we've done. I mean, God bless He's clearly been, since he's gotten his show... He is, uh, he's been at the tip of the spear in many respects of having real and authentic conversations about uh, on multiple levels. And there's no more proof in terms of him being no respecter of persons. I mean, Nikki Haley, of all the people in the last uh, four years who's kind of risen to the ranks of, of those with respect, uh, broadly speaking, in Republican and conservative circles, she's there. Tucker don't care. That's very much how we pursue this show. You know, if you're right, you're right. You're wrong, you're wrong. We don't care what uniform uh, you're wearing. But honestly, folks, that that's that has been the Steve Day show for a lot. Lo- I, I, this is not begrudging Tucker anything. That has been the Steve Day show long before it was the Tucker Carlson show. Hmm. Um, Can I say something really quick to yeah. that, though? I'm fine with it being his show at yeah, the same sure. time. He's got a bigger platform than we do. And... You know, Reagan used to keep a plaque on his desk that said, hey, it's amazing what you can get done when you don't care who gets the credit for it. Oh, yeah. Right? But yeah, there, there's, there's some commonalities there. But by all means, if somebody with a bigger microphone is willing to wage that battle, oh, I'm happy it, benefiting from we it. Can't, it's not just if we were serious about it, it's not just about the clicks, yo. It's about truth. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tucker. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Karen? Normally on something like this, when um, kind of the way I see the world uh, my ears are tickled a little bit. I start to get a little bit. Uh, my spidey senses go up when some of my uh, my biases uh, or biases are being confirmed. But when you when you have somebody like Tucker Carlson on the on the platform, like he like he wields with the viewership numbers that he wields. And you're trying to decide for yourself, is this a grifter who's just tickling people like us's ears, or is this somebody who really believes what he says? Um, typically, they don't go after somebody like Nikki Haley. Now, I like Nikki Haley, um, and I think to varying degrees, people the, same, the people in this room like Nikki Haley as well. But if you spend, I don't know, a week on conservative Twitter, you do not criticize Nikki Haley. Mm-hmm. You don't criticize Nikki Haley, and he went after her. Um, you can agree or disagree with his criticism of uh, of Haley, but the fact that he would even go there, she's somewhat of a shibboleth of uh, uh, of conservative Twitter, of the clicky conservative Twitter. Um, that's actually pretty impressive, and that's one indication. And that he doesn't stop there. We'll see some more in, in the upcoming clicks, but that's one indication, at least to me that this is genuine and this is not just scripting. And I, again, this is not necessarily um, not necessarily a, uh, a, a, a court on, on Tucker Carlson, the person, but when you hear stuff like this, you want to know that the source it's coming from is genuine, and I appreciate that. All right, here's the second clip from Tucker last night. What about the president? Where was he during all of this? Well, on Friday night after the show, Leland Vitter and a cameraman headed to Lafayette Square in Washington to cover what was happening outside the White House. Here's what happened next. Everyone is like to be a black man. 
Fox News reporter is getting chased out by this by the George Floyd protesters here in front of at Lafayette Park. Look, there's water being thrown on the reporter here. Hey, look, this protester just took his mic. This protester, and they just threw the mic at the reporter here. As you see, guys, things are spiraling here quick at the protest. That was in Lafayette Square in the center of our capital city. And the tape raised a troubling question. If you can't keep a Fox News correspondent from getting attacked directly across the street from your house, how can you protect my family? How are you going to protect the country? How hard are you trying? On Twitter the next morning, the president reassured America that he and his family were just fine. The federally funded bodyguards had kept them safe. He did not mention protecting the rest of the nation, much of which was then on fire. He seemed aware only of himself. For people who like Donald Trump, who voted for Donald Trump, who support his policies, who have defended him for years and years against the most absurd kinds of slander, this was a distressing moment. The first requirement of leadership is that you watch over the people in your care. That's what soldiers want from their officers. It's what families need from their fathers. It's what voters demand from their presidents. People will put up with almost anything if you do that. You can regularly say embarrassing things on television. You can hire Omarosa to work at the White House. All of that will be forgiven if you protect your people. But if you do not protect them, or worse than that, if you seem like you can't be bothered to protect them, then you're done. It's over. People will not forgive weakness. That's the one thing. By the way, that is not a partisan point. It is human nature. Nero is the only Roman emperor whose name most people still remember. Why? Because he abandoned his nation in a time of crisis, and 2,000 years later, we still don't forgive him. Donald Trump's response to these riots, which is ongoing, is the singular test of his presidency. About an hour ago, the president announced that he's going to marshal all available forces, military and civilian, to stop these riots. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. Good for him. Immediately after that address, the president walked over to St. John's, which, as we just told you, was burning fewer than 24 hours ago. And that provided a powerful symbolic gesture. It was a declaration that this country our national symbols, our oldest institutions, will not be desecrated and defeated by nihilistic destruction. We fervently hope this all works. Aaron, your first clip two from this monologue from Tucker Carlson last night. Well, uh, first of all, that's a yo. Bringing up Nero in uh, while (laughs) talking about whether or not or how Trump is perceived right now, that's, that's a yo. But here's the thing. Um, on at least some level, as far gone as our culture actually is, that's still true. On some level, it's still true. Now you can say to yourself, "Well, all of these, all of these um, riots are taking place in traditionally Democrat-controlled cities." Guys, most cities are Democrat-controlled. Most large cities are Democrat-controlled for the most part, and have been for decades, and if have not been for more decades. than a century. Yeah, um, I see. I see, I don't know about you, but I think most people in the United States, even if it's not happening in their own backyard, they see Minneapolis. I live in Dallas and I see Minneapolis burning. I think this has got to stop. I live in Chicago and I see Los Angeles burning. 
say this has got to stop. I see, I see, I, I live in Denver and I see Washington burning. This has got to stop. Okay, we're all still one country. Just, just still, and, and we're not in the kumbaya way, but still, there's that sense of why isn't anybody stopping this? There's a sense of justice, I think, still. Why, isn't peop- why aren't people getting this under control? So even if it's not happening in your own backyard, thank the Lord last night here in Des Moines, it was going a little bit different than I think they expected to uh, in a good way. Uh, but if, even if you live somewhere that's not on fire right now, you're still offended, I would assume. You're still outraged that this is happening in other parts of the country as well. And when you see it continue to go on and continue to go on, and yes, Bill de Blasio refused to send in the National Guard, the first person you usually blame is the person who actually has the power to stop this. And so in that respect, yes, if Trump does not, and if these protests do not stop, and Trump continues to tweet, uh, he's going to get blamed. Todd? Yeah, that's the uh, response to... uh uh, my rant yesterday, that's the antidote when I was talking about, you know, Trump it's putting up polling numbers from the basement. There, There's no polling. There's there's really no relevant polling anymore that you poll, you gain information from. Polling is certainly relevant. Steve will tell you this more than anybody, you know, you because you're serving the people. What do the people think? But the, the, sometimes there is just circumstance and action. And right now it is June. The election is uh, five months away. There's just doing right now, Donald Trump. Don't worry about polls. Don't worry about anything else. There is simply going out. If you are the man for the job that you said you were way back there in 2015 and 2016, it's time to show yourself uh, being a man of action in ways you never probably could have dreamed of. It doesn't matter. You asked for the job. You wanted for the job. You wanted the job. Tucker is right to hold you account that way. All right, let's get to the final clip. What Americans want most right now is an end to this chaos. They want their cities to be saved. They want this to stop immediately. If the commander in chief cannot stop it, he will lose in November. The left will blame him for the atrocities they encouraged. And some voters will agree. Donald Trump is the president. Presidents save countries. That's their job. That's why we hire them. It's that simple. Some key advisors around the president don't seem to understand this or the gravity of the moment. No matter what happens, they'll tell you, our voters aren't going anywhere. The trailer parks are rock solid. What choice do they have? They've got to vote for us. Jared Kushner, for one, has made that point out loud. No one has more contempt for Donald Trump's voters than Jared Kushner does, and no one expresses it more frequently. In 2016, Donald Trump ran as a law and order candidate because he meant it and his views remain fundamentally unchanged today. But the president's famously sharp instincts, the ones that won him the presidency almost four years ago, have been since subverted at every level by Jared Kushner. This is true on immigration, on foreign policy, and especially on law enforcement. As crime in this country continues to rise, Jared Kushner has led a highly aggressive effort to let more criminals out of prison and back onto the streets. This is reckless, At this moment in time, it's insane. It continues to happen. The president seems to sense this. At times, he seems aware he's being led in the wrong direction. He often derides Kushner as a liberal, and that's correct. Kushner is. But Kushner has convinced the president that throwing open the prisons is the key to winning African-American votes in the fall and that those votes are essential to his reelection. 
Several times over the past few days, the president has signaled that he would very much like to crack down on rioters. That is his instinct. If you've watched him, you believe it. But every time he has been talked out of it by Jared Kushner and by aides that Kushner has hired and controls. Kushner's assumption apparently is that African-American voters like looting. That is wrong. Normal Americans of all colors hate looting. Obviously, why wouldn't they hate looting? They're decent people. Before I throw it to you for your commentary on that, Todd, let me just add a little context to the back background. You, I, I, Jared Kushner has been a problem from day one in this administration. And I'm not, you know, when I was uh, being wooed or uh, talked to about Trump's presidential campaign, I never heard the name Jared Kushner. I mean, the first time I heard it, it was, I was months into working for Ted Cruz by the time I heard that name for the first time. I don't know what his political, uh, I don't know what his qualifications are. I don't know what he has done extraordinarily on his own, except impregnate the president's daughter. I don't, I don't know what else he's done. But he controls pretty much the entire political apparatus. I can tell you, he controls pretty much the entire political apparatus on the right right now. And while a lot of people, including names you would know, don't like the guy and won't say and, and, and complain about him constantly, very few will say anything publicly. And the reason being is you're probably not going to get to speak at CPAC or anyplace else if you do. And he, he, he controls the purse strings here. And remember that ultimately, more than a movement, this is also an industry, right? We're, we're feeding our families off of this. And so after Tucker Carlson kind of broke the, 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 pierced the veil here, broke the fifth seal on this, you saw a few other people then come out and say, finally, someone else saying it. All those are people who long ago made their peace with the fact they probably were not going to become rich doing conservative media and speaking because speaking out against Jared Kushner doesn't make, doesn't, doesn't get anybody, any bookings, doesn't make anybody rich, doesn't do anybody, any financial good whatsoever. Although everything I think Tucker Carlson said there, particularly that line there, nobody has more contempt for Trump's voters than Jared Kushner does. That's a yo. Okay. Um, but, um, I, I agree with the heart of every word of it. You just won't hear it from a lot of people because it comes with a cost to defy him. Todd, you remember back in the day when it was the radio show, uh, and we were talking about how never in a million years would Donald Trump let his presidency be dictated by his little girl's whims. Yes. I do remember that. Yeah. Well, here we are. That's why do you think that, how did this guy get to be Svengali? Because that's who he's married yeah, I, to. I, I don't know what he's done on his own. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know why he has to be in. Why, why he's the guy that's going to negotiate the Mideast peace process? He's going to rewrite the GOP platform now and make it less, you know, uh, incendiary. He's talking about that. I, I don't. I don't know what any of his qualifications are for anything. And I have no problem speaking out against it because I've been I've been cast into the realm of persona non grata long before Jared Kushner came along. So I'm kind of judgment proof at this point. You either you either you know you either think I've got a good beat and can dance to it, or you hate me. I, I, that's built in. But um, Tucker Carlson going there. Trust me. Of everything he said in this in this monologue last night, that's the scorched earth part. Right there. Yeah. That is. And that's the part that I promise you, some people over in the White House got some bug eyes yeah. when they saw that 
that, that blast come across their bow. Briefly, though, there is some fake news there. Uh, his heart's in the right place. But when Tucker says, like, nobody wants looting, uh, uh, that's a rough paraphrase. He said no, no normal American no, uh, wants well, looting. Well, well, actually, that's see, then what are our terms mean? No, there's a lot of... What's normal mean anymore? We are living in a transgendered society. Well, just like there's, a few years ago, we thought we decided we were the rhinos the whole time, yeah. right? Like we're the Walking Dead. See. Maybe we're not the normal Americans. Is that what I hear you saying? Well, let me remind yeah. you of a certain thing called total depravity. There's people don't want what you think they want anymore because how far we've fallen. You can't default for that, which is exactly the reason why, Tucker, we need to do what you said and fight with action to take this back. And if Donald Trump also thinks you know, people are basically good, you know, that you. You've got to show them. You've got to take it back and you've got to show them because like, we will not just default back to peace on earth. We lost it. That's why this is a civil war. We've been saying it for a long time. But if you don't get that now, you're never going to get it. What do you think, Karen? I don't know how to say anything that we haven't said a thousand times on this show because that's basically that monologue is basically what we have what we've done. Uh, on this show for a long, long time. Um, I think Todd is on to something. When you look at people who you would on maybe nine issues out of ten, eight issues out of ten, agree with politically, socially, you know, whatever, uh, morally, when you see them struggling to talk about anything that's been going on over the last seven days with these riots and they cannot seemingly hang on to their butts and what I mean by that is um, I'm not saying that rioting is wrong but or I'm not trying to justify the riots but no anything you anything you say after that negates negates uh whatever whatever morally neutral ground you're trying to stand upon i see that all over the place especially especially from christians um i think todd is on to something normal you keep using that word i don't think it means what you think it means Mm -hmm. i i don't i i think we need to get into the mindset and the mind uh of America is not what we is not what we maybe think it is. There is still human nature. There's still human nature. That's where the Nero thing comes in. We don't like weakness. We don't like weakness. We as humans don't like weakness. That's that's human nature. But I don't think we want to conflate human nature with well, most red-blooded Americans anyway. There are a lot of people who on any given day might look like our stereotypical red-blooded American who likes his steak or her steak, might even own a gun. But for whatever reason, uh, after they after they even leave your church pew on Sunday, they hop on Twitter, they see what's going on, and they say, I'm not justifying riots, but I, I just, after all that, everything Tucker Carlson said was was correct. But we are left with, what is America right now? Are there enough people? Are there still a majority of people who actually 
uh, actually will admit to themselves, hey, the lockdowns were a crock. I thought we established that in the last segment that uh, not many people are willing to do that. Are there enough people in America that say uh, we cannot riot and what happened to George Floyd was a crime? Peccadillos that he may have in the past, it was still a crime. Do we have enough people who are willing to draw distinctions and be honest? The, the, the more we see this movie play over and over again, the more often the answer to that question is no, unfortunately. But I would like to be proven wrong. I believe he's got the most watched show on Fox, I think, doesn't he? I, I wouldn't I, be surprised on that it, certain, it, but it, I... It's certainly among the most watched shows in cable news. Um, I would believe, I, I would love to know, man. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for the F- Tucker Carlson show program meeting today. <laughs> All right. When they sit down and management's had a chance, because I... Wow. Now, now, having said all that, here's a new morning consult poll calling in the U.S. military to supplement city police forces. Support 58%, oppose 30%. Yep. Make it so. Make it so. I agree. Everybody that is a violent looter shoots at a cop in the middle of looting and rioting has declared themselves a domestic terrorist and should be treated as an enemy combatant accordingly. Pop Culture Tuesday is next. Pop Culture Tuesday this week brought to you by the Classic Learning Test. You know, the SAT and the ACT are often thought of as simply inconvenient tests that students have to give up a Saturday to take a few hours and a few times their junior and senior years to take. The reality, however, is that the SAT and ACT are the two most powerful forces driving curriculum in the United States. Indeed, high-stake tests like these drive instruction and curriculum. That's why we have the whole expression teaching to the test. And there's no question that the college board, which owns the SAT, is a far-left organization. Just last year, the college board had students reading Bernie Sanders op-eds on the SAT while taking the test. The good news is that there is a new company taking on the SAT and ACT, the Classic Learning Test, or CLT. It's been around for just over four years, and it's already been adopted by more than 200 colleges, and nearly every college will now consider CLT scores at least as a supplemental component to an application. The CLT is also shorter than the SAT and ACT, and students now can take it from the comfort of their own home with remote proctoring technology in the final CLT of the year, the June 20th CLT is rapidly approaching with SAT and ACT canceled. The demand for CLT has never been higher. So seats for the June 20th final CLT are limited. There's less than 8,000 remaining right now nationwide. So if you know a high schooler or or you have one yourself, don't miss out. Save your seat. Register today. Hundreds of colleges are already offering tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships for CLT scores. You can register for that June 20th official college entrance exam. Visit cltexam.com to do so. cltexam.com. Again, register now at cltexam.com. Well, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. And Todd, you're welcome to participate. But uh, Aaron and I, you uh, you and I have something in common. You and yep. I both went out to the movies. 
Iowa is one of the few states whose movie theaters have been permitted to open back up. Now, the the largest theater chains, the three largest in order, uh, are, um, oh, I forgot the uh, company that owns like, uh, Car- not Carmike, but who they sold to, who owns like, Cinemark? No, Cinemark's the third oldest, the third largest. Regal's the second. AMC, that's what I'm thinking. Oh. I'm sorry. AMC's number one. Regal's second. Cinemark is number three. Those are by far, they own the vast majority of movie screens in America. None of the three have yet to open. They're claiming there's not a, and I can kind of see it from their national. So is it worth the expense to open in a handful of states if you can't open in the vast majority of them, et cetera, especially, especially without a lack or with a lack of, of first-run movies? But it just so happens that the nicest theater in our town is not one of those chains, but it's owned by a local family called the Fridleys, and they opened up over the weekend. You and I both went separately on separate days, uh, and I think we both went and saw Raiders of the Lost Ark in the IMAX, right? Yep. An IMAX version of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So when we went to the movies, what did we see? It looked like, it did look like they pushed pause on like March 11th. Yeah. And then you went back and it, everything looked the way that it did that day. All the posters and were from that day. Um, all the trailers before the, the IMAX version of Raiders of the Lost Ark were from that day. It, it, it literally looked like we were back in time about two and a half months. Um, the staff were all wearing masks. They asked you a few questions. Are you running a temperature? Do you have any difficulty breathing? And if you answered no to all of those and didn't exhibit any signs, they requested you wear a mask, but it wasn't required. Amy and I were not wearing our masks when we went in. Um, all the same concessions were there from before. First movie theater popcorn I'd had in a few months. And it was, it was, it was glorious. Yeah, it, I'm not going to lie. It was glorious. I got mine with extra butter. I think I might have told him, put, hey, put three months of butter on that for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a little butter with my popcorn. Um, the, I mean, the, the quality of the IMAX, even for a movie that's pushing 40 years old, was phenomenal. Hearing that soaring score from John Williams and the IMAX, uh, you know, uh, uh, surround sound was great. I didn't see anybody in the theater. We probably, we were, we were there on a Saturday afternoon. There was maybe 20 people in there. I didn't see anybody watching the movie with the mask on. Um, I did see a couple of people wear them in and then wear them out, but then not wear them during the movie. I have some other thoughts about this, but I'm going to let you into the conversation before I go there. So what, what did you see? Uh, basically the exact same thing. Nobody wearing masks that was actually watching the movie. There were about 20 people. That was a 4.30 p.m. showing on a Friday. Uh, got, I don't usually get popcorn when I go to the movies. I just think it's overpriced. But I did because, I mean, it's the first time I can actually go or we could actually go to the movies in, in three months. So got uh, popcorn with extra butter. And I was just I was not really paying attention to much more than that during the, during the uh, during the previews other than stuffing my face with popcorn. Uh, but uh, Bella, my wife. Uh, turned and said, yeah, "This is kind of depressing." And I said, well, "Well, all these, all these, all these previews are from like three months ago. Black Widow, I think, was supposed to be. Was it supposed to be out already? May first is when that movie was supposed to come out. And I, yeah. I was just like, I was just stuffing my face. I didn't even. And yeah, <laughs> it is really depressing. Mulan Everything, was already supposed to be out. Several movies were already supposed yeah, to be out. So yeah, so that was that was the depressing part. But uh, as far as the 
IMAX experience goes. I don't remember what the last movie, if anything, was. Uh, actual movie, not documentary, that you see at, you know, uh, some tourist spot. I don't remember the last movie that I actually saw like that in IMAX. And so that was that was fun. I do, I, I do feel bad for the theater uh, to some degree because, like I said, 20 bucks <laughs> or 20 people at, you know, 10 bucks a pop for a ticket. I, I don't see how they're making a heck of a lot of money on that. But um, but hopefully, you know, for the first weekend, hopefully they had a good hopefully they had a good uh, good show. So how did you feel leaving the theater? Um, honestly, man, I I was just happy to be back. Like usually if if I'd gone to Costco and they made me answer all those questions and, you know, I had all the social distancing and and just all of these hoops that I didn't have to or nobody had to jump through three or four months ago, I'd be kind of upset. But you know what? I they were just trying they're I don't know why I feel differently about the theater more than I do Costco, I guess because Costco's been open this entire time. Right. And, the and when the thing been. was really bad, they did make you wear a yeah. mask. And now that we're reopening, they yeah. want you to. So, so they, you can clearly tell I, it's just about legalities and not about health. Right? Yeah. For for us though, it was just, you know what, this takes an extra thirty seconds. We ought to already bought our tickets and everything. Um it was just kind of a a pit stop. And so I I was just you know what? This is fine. Um, I'm just happy to be back at the movies again because I just I don't again I see everything that's going on I, I don't see how this is sustainable I mean if you see uh, uh, the next blockbuster that a lot of people want to go see in the theaters do you think every single person is going to be able to get screened no there's going to be some who slip by and the more people that slip by the more common that will become until eventually oh crap we forgot to staff somebody to ask questions at the at the front of the theater at the entrance to the theater so that's kind of how i felt i was just happy to be back i i i had not seen raiders of the lost ark in its entirety before and so that was that was fun very cheesy movie amazing amazing but cheesy yeah one of my it's one of my all-time favorite movies i think i think when we did like yeah, well, actually, we haven't aired that episode yet, but we have put together a couple specialty oh, episodes true, to air yeah. later this year, and um, one of them was um, if I or my all-time twenty favorite movies, and that was on the Correct. list, right? Okay. Um, I I left mad. I went in there happy, excited to be back. Didn't mind answering a few questions. I was fine with it. You know, I, I think those questions are responsible to ask, actually. Um, so remember, I'm the one that's been like, I think there still needs to be some level of of concern about mass spreading indoor events. I've said that for quite a while now. And it's not because I don't believe that that as a whole, COVID-19 is not any better than a, or not any worse than a bad flu. As a whole, it is. But the way that it individually impacts people. All right. If you go in there, if you, if, if you know, if, if one of you is diabetic, and you go to the you go to the theater and sit next to somebody who's got influenza, it's not going to impact you the way that if you had if you were a diabetic and you went in there and sat next to somebody who had COVID nineteen, may it's different. So the individual pathology of the virus is different than the macro impact of a lockdown. But I left there angry, and I felt bad for businesses like theirs. Because walking out of there and then just seeing all the posters and everything else and you're just like, I, maybe it's me. 
I was like, what a waste, man. What, what a complete and total waste. This is a beautiful facility, has very good food, has a full-fledged restaurant in there. You can have it brought into your seat and everything else, and the food's really good. And yeah, I think it's the nicest theater in our town. I think it's the nicest theater we've ever had in our town. It's one of the nicest theaters. I've been to movie theaters all over the country. It's one of the nicest theaters I've been in anywhere in America. And it's family-owned. They were even in the, in the early weeks of the lockdown, they, they knew that people were going to be Jones for movie theater popcorn. They, they stayed open as long as they could to, they could afford it to have employees, you know, making it indoors and bringing it out curbside if you wanted some. Okay. This is the one in Waukean Hickman. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's called the palms here. It's what it's, I mean, just, I mean, they're, they're the quintessential somehow you, you weren't going to get the virus if you went to Lowe's and every home Depot in America. But if you went to the Fridley family movie theater, since it was a locally owned business, you would. And they're, they're, they're losing money by reopening, not losing money by staying closed too. So they probably just figured at some point we've got to, to get our money back. We got to, we got to bite the bullet early and get people used to going to the movies again. And every week we put it off is another week that we put off, you know, getting people's normalcy restored. So they probably just decided we'll lose some money now to win it, to, to earn it on the back end by getting you back in the theater. I felt bad for them. I felt bad for their business, their families. And I, I just, it, it made me angry. Like, what a waste. Like, this didn't have to happen this entire time. That's the correct reaction. I have two examples that I can commiserate. One, I th- I've told you off air yesterday, I think. But this week, yeah, I went to the mall with my wife and daughters. They just wanted to do some shopping. You know, I've done enough. I've The yard work, we've spruced it up. We've painted things. I, it's done. I, I And I, I needed to get out. I will walk the halls of the mall happily and watch you do what you do. Uh, but I get there, and the food court, there's they're selling food the entire seating area is closed down you can buy food you have to walk outside and just find some i know why 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 for the same reasons you've talked about we're living living in one of the free estates in the country right now and this is still some ridiculousness going on yesterday because i umpire high school baseball there's a meeting about you know it's going forward thank goodness here Mm -hmm. again like you say free and open it's it's happening so uh how are the umpires going to handle this Normally, umpire, a ball bag. You you get the balls out. We will not be allowed to handle the baseball, Steve. The defensive teams in each dugout can only touch the base. Any time a pitcher kick the balls, and <laughs> I'm going to kick somebody's balls. Every <laughs> time a pitcher goes to his lips, don't you, tell me the ball has to be taken out of yes, play. Yes, this is yes. So yeah, mad Hulk. Mad. You're so about, dumb. What Mad. about what about doesn't the batter hold the bat? Yeah. If he I grabs don't... the barrel of the bat, does that mean the bat and the ball have to be taken out of play it's, if he then hits the ball? What, what so, sense does any of this make? It's so stupid that everybody's gonna get there and we're all just gonna look at at the plate meeting as like we're just gonna like not care, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah, we're just gonna or, we're just gonna do our thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if districts are gonna make some umpires wear masks. Okay, well, then you don't get an umpire because I, I ain't doing it. There's, uh, I still think we should be somewhat cautious with indoor events. There should be no caution outdoors. Unless you're out, well, if you're in the parking lot of your local nursing home, practice some caution. Anything else outdoors, there's no need to practice uh, caution. Steve, Phil Kirpin just told us that this is where the virus lives in the dirt and the grass on 90 degree summer days. That's where it thrives. You're a monster for denying such science. <laughs> By the way, breaking news out of New York City, Governor Cuomo threatens to, quote, displace New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. (laughs) 
and bring and overrule him by bringing in the National Guard. <laughs> and <laughs> and says the mayor quote failed last night. Unquote. Can we go to CNN for reaction to that? Is was he holding a Bible when he said it? You know, I hear Nigeria is nice this time of year. So that's a great setup. Our overtime that we're going to tape here in oh. a little bit uh, for our Blaze TV subscribers. BlazeTV.com/slash/days. The overtime topic today is the question on the table: What is more dangerous, living under Andrew Cuomo uh, during COVID nineteen? Or under yeah. Bill de Blasio He's not during kidding. these You planned riots. that already before you got yes, this news. Yes, we had yes. that conversation two hours yes. ago. That we already, we already had that on the docket, not knowing that this news was going to break. And here we are. I mean, this is Andrew Cuomo has gone all ice cube, I ain't the one, and just thrown. He, just, he looked at Bill de Blasio and said, I didn't put a dance on the floor and around. <laughs> all right? I, I, no. Billie Jean is not my lover. <laughs> I didn't do that. Nope. Nada. All right, that is impossible. All right, he has he has thrown Mayor Sandinista officially under a giant can, Big Apple bus. Can you give me something? Yeah, I haven't done it in a long time. Can, huh. For this, can you do the Mikey? What do you mean the Mikey? When you like it. Oh, you yeah. you like it. <laughs> you really like it. You want more of it. You like it. That is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, this is. This is something, man. This this is something. I'm swooning. And you know what? It kind of goes to what maybe it goes to the polling numbers you cited earlier. And maybe you maybe you may need to reassess your skepticism yeah. about that last point that Tucker made. Because that's Andrew Cuomo now saying we can't have that in New York City. We can't we can't have that in New York City. That's Friday. It was uh we were wrong. We they were all Wrong. All the projections were bad. Yes. And now he's governor law and order. This is awesome. And like, is there like a photo when, when Cuomo said this, did he rip over his shirt and show his pierced nipples? It's, I mean, this is just We don't know that fantastic. that's true. We just want it to be. All will okay? be revealed, but I hope not that much. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't know, but that's, that, that's Todd's, that's Todd's uh, version of when I needed Chris Christie's, the story that he brought. He was reduced to bringing Trump his McNuggets at midnight. I needed that story to be true. You need the, the Andrew Cuomo pierced nipple story. You need it to be true. You need to. But have apparently, that. Aaron's telling me God has internally a a Jonah Hill yeah, jo- gif within <laughs> yeah. him, within even him. Like eh, I don't know about that. I don't even know how to. I'm sorry that I interjected in the middle of our conversation with that. I just I saw this break on my feet, and I'm like, we have got to bring this up. And now I don't know where to go. Thankfully, we're out of time. Like I wouldn't know how to feel like another five minutes. I'm I <laughs> I started this show gobsmacked, and I'm going to end it so. Right? Uh, so we have come full circle. We are going to stick around and do overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers, blazetv.com slash days. For the rest of you, we are back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.